But what really uh, shaped, I guess, the way that this view was developed was the study of archaeology. Now, archaeology really wasn't a, a main study in Western civilization until about the 19th century. And you get a guy who's really the, the main figure that started it all off is, and I, there's, a, there's plenty of other people, don't get me wrong, but one of the most famous ones is a guy named William F. Albright. Now, when archaeology was getting kickstarted, what we began to have that we didn't have when the critical method first started was we begin to have a bunch of um, development in our understanding of Egyptian hieroglyphics and Mesopotamian text, okay? That's, that's about the, the easiest way I can put it. Now, the Old Testament history of the Israelites and the Hebrews overlaps with Egyptian history and the Mesopotamian cultures. So as we can understand the Egyptians and how they wrote and how they, you know, carried themselves and how the Mesopotamians wrote and what they believed and how they carried themselves, we can see then and understand how these ancient cultures functioned. And that helps us to understand how the authors of the Old Testament would have written things and what they would have believed and how they used words and so many other things in relation to our Bible study. So now the question is, what does archaeology tell us about these ancient cultures so we can understand the text of the Bible and say, does it match better with the traditional view, or does it match better with this critical view? Now, you will still hear today some scholars who teach that the book of Genesis is filled with myth, right? Like the creation story and some of these other things. Well, that's just uh, myth mixed with history, You'll still hear scholars talk about this sort of stuff today, but really, I, I don't know how you believe that anymore. Um, I'm going to give you a quote here by a scholar named R.K. Harrison. He's a professor of Old Testament studies at Wycliffe College in Toronto, Canada, and he concluded about Genesis. He says this, quote, that it should not be taken as myth, but as Mesopotamian historiography. So essentially what that big word means is the way that the ancient cultures wrote history. That's how Genesis should be taken. It is an ancient way to write history. This is a huge thing for us to understand, is that the ancient people did not write history like a 21st century American. We cannot be an acrostic like this and read back into the text the way a American would have written it if they were writing history, and say, well, it's not written like our history, therefore it can't be history, it must be myth. We can't do that. And this is one of the ways that the critical method has gone wrong, is they thought, oh, look, you know, there's all this myth in the text. Well, you know, here's a professor of Old Testament studies, along with plenty of others that I could give you, that are showing us, no, now that we understand ancient civilizations better because of archaeology, one of the things we understand is this is the way they wrote history. Genesis absolutely matches with history. Now, that doesn't mean that Genesis is accurate necessarily. What it does tell you is that the author's intention is to convey to you, the audience, that, hey, what I'm writing as the author is what I consider to be real history. Now, what we have to do at this point is to take what he writes and match it up with 
what we know from history. Did he get dates correct? Did he get the names of kings correct? Did he get places correct? You know, those sort of things. If you study that, you realize, yeah, they actually did. They got it all correct. Now, the second way that the historical critical method got it wrong is, and you might have heard this from some of your atheist friends, is that religion developed over evolutionary lines. That is, what they're saying is, you know, the culture started off as polytheistic. They believed in many gods. You know, you got the moon god, the sun god, you know, the god of uh, the floods, the god of the rains, the gods of fire, you know, all those sort of different things. And then it developed, it evolved into a henotheism. Now, henotheism is a big fancy term that simply means you might have a, a group of gods, but then one of them becomes like the chief god, all right? And we actually do see this in some ancient civilizations. That is a, an actual way that they believed about things. But what the historical critical method will get wrong is saying all cultures went from polytheism to this henotheism, and then that chief god out of the, out of the group becomes monotheism, where they get rid of the group and only believe in the chief god. And so what they'll do with the Bible is they'll say, Yahweh? if you trace it back, was actually just a chief god amongst multiple gods, henotheism, which originally was Yahweh amongst many gods, polytheism. They'll say that's how Israelite religion um, evolved. So is that true? Well, actually, it's not true. So here's another quote to you from a Bible scholar named B.T. Arnold, and he says this, quote, in general, Albright, talking about our archaeologist guy, Objected to the standard 19th century history of religion trajectory, especially the conviction that religion moves from polytheism to henotheism to monotheism. So B.T. Arnold's basically saying, look, Albright, who's the guy who's leading the charge on archaeology and discovering all this stuff from ancient civilizations, he objects that this is the way that um, religion evolved. That's not the way religion evolved. We don't see that. So then to take Israelite religion and say it evolved along these lines is just an absolute assumption that doesn't fit with the evidence. Now we're going to go back to R.K. Harrison again, the professor of Old Testament from Canada, and he says this about the kind of critical method and how they approach the first five books of the Old Testament. He says that it's based on a, quote, complete ignorance of Near Eastern methods of scribal transmission, end quote. And then to summarize the rest of what he says uh, for the sake of brevity, he basically uh, argues that it's a cherry-picking of archaeological data, a distortion of out or outright ignorance of the evidence found to be contradictory to their theory. So all that to say, R.K. Harrison says, look, the critical method and their approach to the text of the Old Testament was really based off of their ignorance. And, it, I mean, you can't really blame them. They didn't have archaeology at the time. They didn't understand the ancient civilizations like we do today. He said, so they, they were kind of ignorant of it. They didn't know how the scribes wrote history or, um, you know, copied the text and those things. They kind of cherry-picked the data that fit to their theory but ignored the data that disagreed with their theory. And at times, they just completely wouldn't talk about the evidence that contradicted their theory. That's a pretty strong, you know, analysis of the critical method. As, um, as archaeology is showing here, just more and more to 
show this view is not the one you want to go for. All right, thanks for joining me for this episode. Stay tuned for future episodes in this series as we continue to critique the critical method approach to the scriptures versus the traditional method, and we get into more details about which one actually fits the evidence best. In the meantime, you guys keep studying. Leave comments below. Let me know what you think about these videos, and if you have any questions or you disagree with me on anything, and until then, I will see you next time.